Hello, I'm Nikki Chadwick. What exactly is the circular economy and how can it make a massive contribution to saving our natural assets, minimising waste and pollution, and to tackling global challenges such as climate change and biodiversity loss? That's what we're going to find out. The circular economy is a different way of thinking about how we produce and consume, using resources more efficiently by using them more than once. In this episode, we're going to look at the role of statistics in the transition to such a system. Joining me now is Greg Peterson, who is Assistant Chief Statistician at Statistics Canada, which is the National Statistical Office of Canada. Greg, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Greg, please can you tell me how you go about analysing the circular economy? Well, Statistics Canada, most of the work that we've done around the circular economy has been focused around plastics. Um, in Canada, in November 2018, uh, the Canadian Council of Ministers of the Environment, uh, which included federal, provincial and territorial ministers uh, of environment, approved a principal Canada-wide strategy uh, to zero plastic waste by 2030. This builds on the ocean's plastic charter and takes a circular economy approach to plastics. Um, at Statistics Canada, our role was really to develop a, a measurement strategy uh, to get us to 2030, uh, which is essentially uh, taking a look at uh, how plastic is produced, uh, where it winds up after it's used, uh, and to track its reuse or, or recycling or, or re-engineering into other purposes. And how do you use that information to perhaps inform policymakers? Uh, well, the information that we're producing uh, forms an important baseline. So uh, we're still in very early days of this policy, uh, but having a baseline allows us to measure progress towards 2030. As, as policies are rolled out, as, as governments take action, as private sector adjusts, uh, we should see a decline uh, in the amount of plastic waste going to garbage, and we should see upticks in uh, sort of reuse of, of plastics uh, into other purposes. And how do you actually analyse the information that you get? Is getting the information an easy thing to do? Uh, getting the information is a challenge, uh, but uh, th this is uh, one of the advantages that we have as a national statistical organisation is that uh, we're in the business of measuring uh, sort of material flows through the economy. Uh, most, national statistically uh, most national statistical offices uh, produce what are called supply use tables. Uh, which which uh, measure uh, sort of material inputs by industry, material outputs by industry, and uh, by kind of closing off this system, you can start to take a look at the circularity of the economy. And do you find that you need to produce different statistics, obviously the same information, but present them in a different way for different parts of society? Uh, I don't think it's so much an issue of different parts of society. I think it's it's more, uh, you know, the treatment of different uh, products uh, sort of happens in different ways. Circular economy is a very broad term. In our experience, uh, rather than trying to measure the circularity of everything um, or the reuse and recycle of everything, uh, we've started with plastics. And, and based on the knowledge that we gain in measuring uh, kind of the, the, the circularity of plastics, we, we can then move on to other products. So what sort of other products are you going to be looking at? I think other countries have started to take a look at electronic products. Um, 
you know, the idea of a circular economy isn't new. Uh, if you take a look at beverage containers, uh, you know, those made of glass, those made of aluminum, uh, you know, th those products are already kind of uh, being reused, uh, recycled. So given the sort of complexity of different materials, uh, they all have different uh, sort of material flows. Uh, and, you know, as, as, as we work through this kind of commodity by commodity, uh, we, we should have a more complete picture as we move ahead. You've talked about how other countries are already analysing other materials statistically. Is there a lot of international cooperation when it comes to statistics around the circular economy? There is, yes. And here, uh, international organisations um, like the OECD, like the UNECA, are crucial catalysts for innovation in this space. We work very closely with international organisations, uh, you know, they form kind of a convening function, if you will, uh, that allow us to develop uh, internationally accepted standards. It'll they allow us to kind of uh, share methods. Um, in themselves, uh, international organizations are a huge source of of knowledge capital. Uh, but uh, you know, if I think specifically of the work of the uh, UNECE task force on measuring the circular economy, um, you know, this this gives us an opportunity for uh, national statistical offices to to meet, work together, and collaborate. Um, they also draw a very strong uh, sort of link to the policy side. So it's not simply about statisticians meeting with other statisticians to talk about numbers, uh, but it's, it's convening a community to make sure that we're providing uh, information that allows for better decision making. Greg, there's obviously a lot of support from the international community agencies who are encouraging the circular economy, encouraging its uptake. But what about businesses? What about private companies within Canada? Are they demanding statistics from you on particular levels or is it something that the flow goes the other way? I think this remains the next big challenge uh, in terms of developing information on the circular economy. Uh, we are seeing uh, private sector, uh, the private sector engage more and more in business practices that, that promote the circular economy. And, and for sure, uh, you know, different organizations have been standing up uh, sort of standards and measurement frameworks uh, at that, that, that very micro or firm level to measure the circular economy. Um, the strength, though, of, of a national statistical office or international organization, largely we've been focusing on more macro measures. So what happens What happens in a national economy or, or in sub-national regions? Uh, we, we don't publish information at that firm level. So I, I, think, I think the next big challenge for us is to try to draw a link between uh, kind of the, the more macro measures of what's happening at a national level with with what's happening at that firm level, you know, we need to work more closely together with the private sector to uh, better harmonize standards uh, so that we can draw a, a sort of a closer link between uh, what, what we're doing at the macro level and what firms are, are, are kind of doing at that, at that very micro level. I mean, in, in an ideal world, I think we want to get to a point where, uh, you know, national statistical offices and international organizations can start producing information that allow businesses to uh, better benchmark their performance. Uh, and and uh, I think we can do this, uh, but it requires, uh, requires uh, collaboration and partnership. In terms of policymakers, how receptive are they to the statistics that, that you produce? Um, you know, you, you need to have uh, good, reliable uh, data to show that change is happening. Uh, within Canada, uh, I mentioned the uh, action plan that was put in place in order for us to uh, reach uh, zero plastic waste by 2030. A key part of that strategy uh, was the uh, development of metrics and sort of methodologies to measure progress towards these goals. And at Statistics Canada, uh, we were hand in glove with uh, our federal uh, Ministry of Environment and Climate Change 
in order to uh, make sure that the data that we produce uh, are relevant to uh, sort of policymakers and make sure that uh, we're providing uh, good, reliable, honest uh, metrics that will, uh, that will show progress towards, uh, towards zero plastic waste. And from a personal viewpoint, are you enthusiastic about the circular economy? I'm very enthusiastic. If you think about the circular economy, it's really cross-cutting in nature. Uh, for sure, in Canada, we have a target of zero plastic waste by 2030. But if you think about other goals, such as meeting our, our sort of Paris commitments, it, it's hard to think about a transition to a low-carbon future without uh, kind of amping up uh, where we're at in terms of uh, kind of a circular economy. So the more effectively that we can use materials, uh, the smaller the carbon footprint and the better off, better off we are. Greg, thank you very, very much indeed for joining us. And joining me now is Dr. Case Balday, who is a senior scientific specialist with the Sustainable Cycles Programme of the United Nations Institute for Training and Research. Case is the initiator of the e-waste monitor series, co-founder of the Global E-Waste Statistics Partnership, amongst many other roles. Um, Case, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us. Tell us a little bit about your professional background. When was the first time that you had to deal with, I suppose, measuring the circuit? economy yeah thanks a lot well uh, the first time i was in contact with you know measuring the circular economy was about like a decade ago it became very clear to me that basically um, the current indicators we are having to measure the environment statistics well they were good and they served a what their purpose. However, they were not really fit for purpose for measuring the circular economy. It was only mass-based in indicators. So basically, what's the heaviest in terms of mass? Was the heaviest um, in the indicator? So we are kind of measuring stones and not really the well the materials that we really want to keep within our society. Uh, such as the gold and the rare earth metals within uh, Statistics Netherlands. Um, I utilized these concepts. The circular economy, if you started working on it 10 years ago, then it was presumably the, the concept was in its, its very early stages. Is measuring the circular economy, trying to persuade people to engage in the circular economy, something that really is now at the forefront of a lot of people's minds? It is starting to be. I think in my in my bubble, it was always in the in in the minds of the people. Um, I have always worked with people thinking about sustainability. However, I am also in in contact with 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 people outside of my bubble, and they still are are purchasing many things that they don't really need. So I think that 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 you know, at most people's minds, uh, yes, they know about circular. Economy, however, they are not making d decisions like that, uh, unfortunately. And um, and also, if you look at the data and the statistics, uh, like what I'm typically also be doing, you see that that you know people care about the environment. However, they don't make their their decisions like that, unfortunately. And still, the world is not very circular. I mean, one thing that you have um, done a considerable amount of work on is the electronic waste, um, electrical waste. 
Using mobile phones as an example, probably not so long it was a case of you could replace a battery in a mobile phone, but now you have to replace the whole phone. Is this manufacturers that are driving this or are we just used to, with electronic equipment, using and then throwing away? Uh, well, I think it is a bit of both. Um, however, um, in particular for the smartphone or for the mobile phone, it is, it is the manufacturers who are deciding how they are going to design the phone. It's not the consumer saying, well, I want to have uh, my battery to be replaced. Uh, it's the manufacturers that are deciding that, okay, I will not make the battery uh, be easily replaceable and so i think that this is really this is really something with the pure responsibility of the manufacturers it can sometimes be though that if you are going to repair something try repairing something perhaps a mobile phone isn't the best example that it actually costs more to repair than it does to replace is that so that manufacturers are just boosting their profits Yes, I think so. The current business models of the manufacturers are based on, on sales, on consumption. And with this incentive for them, they will always want to have uh, like maximum profits. So basically to, to sell more and to sell more, which means to consume more of the product. With this sort of paradigm that, you know, we must consume more mobile phones or more headphones it needs to be converted into something which is better for the world, which is also better for the for the consumers in 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 the end of the day. Because um, like nowadays, the wages uh, to repair a phone because it has so been badly designed are just way higher than purchasing a new one. It's the responsibility of the producers to 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 take action here. However, it cannot be only. Um, be blamed on the producers uh, in some way also policies of um, uh, set by governments you know should be guiding and should be also making these more uh, well these circular options more favorable um, in order to make sure that they are really happening and and this is currently also not really and uh, not always happening <laughs> globally do you think if we try to encourage an alternative business model, perhaps hiring a product, having it as a service instrument instead of something that we own, and then perhaps that may encourage manufacturers to find a better way of servicing, of keeping those particular items within the economy? Yes, definitely. I think, well, this could be uh, like a big game changer because they can account uh, for these products to be coming back at their site. So they will also make sure that the, the design of the product is such that they can reuse or repair it much better than what they currently are doing. And they can also keep more of uh, you know, value within uh, the company profit because they know that they are getting these materials back. And these materials are also getting scarcer and scarce over time. However, this will not solve all the products because currently it is still possible well, well to buy headphones for less than one euro on the market and if you can buy headphones which are costing you less than one euro we we know that this is disposable uh, this is kind of stuff you use once or twice it's really badly manufactured it it breaks down after using it one or two times and also the sound quality is not satisfactory so we don't even want it and these products are still on our markets um, and i think also um, 
it's not only uh, the hiring that can make a big change. However, also certain certain products need to be forbidden to be on the market because they are just not sustainable enough. How can you use data, data about waste generation, waste management, to bring about a change in the manufacture of these disposable items? Data helps in many stages of the policy cycle. At this stage, uh, data helps you to to also showcase uh, what can be improved and also how well not sustainable the material loops uh, currently are in the society. So basically, um, at at this stage, well, data is helping you to show how big the problem is and what could be where uh, you you need new policies to make uh, well to make it better. On the other hand, you shouldn't forget that that also data can help you to make somehow like digital twins of any material which is on the on the earth. And if so, we can also use data to also create databases that we know exactly where our materials are within our society. And also, this sort of data is needed uh, for both the producers and also the recyclers to know which materials they can find within the waste streams. However, also to well, to get these materials back into the economy, I think that data is going to be a big game changer for directing recyclers and manufacturers where their materials are and how they could get them back at their sites to take uh, them out either for recycling or uh, or repurpose you know those materials um, or components uh, into something useful case thank you very much indeed for joining us So joining me now is Michael Nagy, who is a senior statistician from the United Nations Economic Commission for Europe, or UNECE. Michael, thank you very much for talking to me today. Um, You've listened to the interviews with Case and Greg. What are your thoughts on some of the key challenges that they brought up? I think without doubt, circular economy is a policy with multiple benefits for the economy, for the environment, and also for the society. The main question that remains is, why is it not a self-runner if it's so beneficial? Why is there still research in things like plant obsolescence with the objective that products break shortly after the end of the warranty? Why do make businesses more profit from short-lived products rather than offering repair and selling spare parts? As both speakers mentioned, we need a policy mix of carrots and sticks for the transition to a circular economy. Finally, we can all benefit from that. And I think a second type of challenges they mentioned was the data-related perspective. And this is actually where my expertise goes into. So what they mentioned is the need of collaboration of national statistical offices with other governmental entities, but also with the private sector and academia. What they mentioned was the challenge of measuring certain levels of details, for, it come, for example, when it comes to certain types of materials and products. Greg also had a focus on the lack of internationally accepted standards and shared methods that allow us to produce information on the circular economy in an international comparable way. And also that can help businesses to benchmark their performance by comparing them internationally. And I think another important challenge that was mentioned was to 
understand what kind of information policymakers actually need so that statistical offices are in a situation to produce the right information for them. And my thoughts on those challenges are that here international organizations play a crucial role to provide platforms for experts from different expert communities, but also from different countries and international organizations to discuss these issues and to find common ground to understand what the conceptual issues are, what the measurement issues are, and to come up with guidance that really helps national statistical offices to produce the information. And in that particular aspect, what is the role of UNECE? Everything that we're doing here in the UNECE Secretariat in Geneva is based on the request of our member countries. So this is why we got this mandate. And the actual role is defined by the overall objective. So the overall objective is to develop guidelines for national, national statistical offices on how to measure the circular economy. But an important byproduct of this is actually the uh, platform that we are providing through this task force, the platform for experts from different countries and international organizations to discuss this issue and to work cooperatively on this uh, product. And how important is it when you are measuring the circular economy that you are measuring waste accurately or rather as accurately as you can? So reducing the amount of waste is one of the cornerstones. And I believe that without good waste statistics, measuring the circular economy is simply not possible. And as you may know, in, in the last decades, there has been, have been many activities by international organizations and countries to harmonize waste statistics in Europe, but also around the globe. But there are still some, some conceptual and challenges and also measurement challenges. I would like to give you two examples. It starts with the definition of waste. So what is waste for the holder of a certain material or product? can be considered a valuable resource for somebody else. So, for example, when we talk about the zero waste policy, this does not necessarily refer to the definition of waste that we use in waste statistics. Because waste in statistics is defined as anything somebody would like to get rid of. But the zero waste policy refers more to what we call in statistics residual waste or waste for final disposal. So it's also a challenge in statistics to translate this from the information producer side to those who are using this information to avoid misunderstanding and misconceptual issues. And another example I would like to give you about these challenges related to waste is the role of the informal sector in handling of waste. So when you look at recycling figures, for example, and compare the recycling figures of so-called developing countries with the recycling figures of so-called developed countries, very often it appears that the developed countries are much better in terms of recycling. But often these statistics do not take into account that the informal sector plays a very important role in many countries. So every piece of waste that has a certain value is actually removed from the waste or from the waste management system by informal uh, workers or by families who are dependent on, on, on sorting trash. And this only partially appears in official statistics. 
So therefore, we also have a focus in our work in capturing conceptually these issues, but also in the long term, finding ways to measure those issues. Do you think that if we can find a better way to measure waste internationally so that there's more conformity, that we can actually help to boost this circular economy by sharing that information? I believe that internationally comparable data is crucial. Um, it helps to benchmark countries themselves to see where they are from the macroeconomic perspective, but also it helps businesses to compare themselves with similar businesses in other countries. So I believe that at least a certain set of standardized information on the circular economy is very important to give this necessary um, boost. Of course, we have to take into account that we have different economic systems, we have different societies in the countries. So this means we have different priorities in the countries. So we cannot standardize or guide everything, but to a certain level of detail, we can give guidance to the countries. For example, what indicators are kind of universal indicators that should be produced by every statistical office in our region or even in the world on a regular basis. And this can be things like recycling recycling rates. This could be material footprints and, and things like that. This could be uh, information on the socioeconomic impact of a circular economy. So there is some kind of, of basic information that every country is interested in or that every um, expert community working on the circular economy might be interested in. So, and this is what we try to do here also at ECE with our task force to identify what is this minimum set of information that should be international comparable to boost the circular economy and what kind of guidance we can give to countries to develop more tailor-made information, which is necessary for their own national purposes. Michael, thank you very much indeed for joining us. You've been listening to One World Zero Waste, the circular economy explained. Please use the hashtag One World Zero Waste to share your thoughts and look out for another episode shortly. Thank you for listening. Thank you.